Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 287. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. And welcome to the MCAT Podcast. It is I, Dr. Ryan Gray, here for another amazing episode where I'm joined by one of the fantastic, fantastic members of the Blueprint Live Online team. We are continuing our breakdown, almost wrapping up here, of the Blueprint MCAT half-length diagnostic, which everyone should be taking for free at blueprintmcat.com. Follow along with us again, blueprintmcat.com. Get access to this half-length diagnostic for free at blueprintmcat.com. We're continuing our breakdown today, PsychSoc Passage 3. Ali, welcome back to the MCAT podcast. How are you doing? I am doing great. Happy to be back as always. Awesome, awesome. All right, so the last two weeks, uh, I've gotten perfect scores. So perfect score on a passage, perfect score in a discrete Let's say that I'm feeling it. Like, I think I nailed those. I'm super confident. I'm getting cocky. How can I prevent on test day feeling that rush of like everything is going right? I'm going to get a 528. Yeah. So, um, well, on one end, you're not going to know the answers to the two passages or set of the screens. So you don't know if you're seven out of seven. But, um, that's another reason to take a short break between passages or every couple of passages to like recenter and refocus, forget the, the sections you have done. And just remember that you, you have the foundations of a good score. Let's say I, I aced or I think I aced the first five passages. I'm not there yet. I still need to do really well on the next few to, to get my score even higher. So um, s- slow yourself down. And sometimes that's the key to like even finishing on time. You don't want to move too fast and have to do things more than once. Yeah. So slow, slow yourself down, follow the process, like trust the process, like to borrow like an NBA uh, phrase. So trust the process, keep working the same way on every question. All right. Just, just keep going smooth and steady. Uh, As the tortoise says, slow and steady wins the race. All right. Let's uh, jump into passage three again. We're on the psych soch section of the Blueprint MCAT half-length diagnostic, which everyone gets for free at blueprintmcat.com. All right. So we have a passage. It looks like I have figures. So this one is an experimental or research-style passage. So my focus has shifted in here. Instead of trying to attack, oh, I'm only looking at the content. How does it relate to content I know? I'm looking about at the experiment. 
what background information they have given me, what's the purpose of the experiment or the hypothesis being tested, if, what's the method they used, what's the dependent independent variable, and then what are the results? Do the results like answer the questions being asked? Do they, is the hypothesis they started with correct or incorrect? And then we go into the question. So there is some work that we need to do reading the passage, but the good thing is we have a script. We know what we're looking for in every one of the paragraphs. All right, so let's attack our first paragraph. This is where normally I will find the background. Towards the end, we can start looking for the purpose of the experiments or the hypothesis. Stroke survivors often suffer through a period of altered mental status lasting weeks after the event. These changes can manifest as emotional difficulties, personality changes, or mental acuity impairments. Frontal lobe strokes can cause poor short-term memory, reduced attention span, and depression. Strokes in the occipital lobe may result in balance syndrome, inability to perceive the whole visual field, difficulty in fixating the eye, and inability to move the hand to a specific target by using vision. Deficits often improve, uh, improve within a few weeks, but memory loss can be permanent. Memories closer to the event are the least likely to return. Hmm. So Ryan, here we can look at this and as a list of symptoms or issues that can that can come up after uh, someone has a stroke for stroke survivors. Yeah. I personally, I wouldn't put too much emphasis on any of these symptoms because each one of them could be tested, but there's a chance like the majority of them will not be tested. Yeah. So um, there's mention about like different areas of the brain. That's MCAT relevant. There's mention of memories being affected, language center being affected, um, uh, movement uh, can be affected. Let's uh, highlight it all. Yeah. So, uh, and remember, highlighting it all is the same as not highlighting it all. So, works either way. So, uh, personally, I didn't highlight much in this paragraph. You can highlight a few of the, like the last sentence stood out to me, like memory closer to the event or the least likely to return. Might help me answer the question, um, but I'll move on. I didn't find my hypothesis yet. We're still in the background. So let's, let's keep looking for this hypothesis. All right. All right, and neuroscientist hypothesizes, okay, now we have our hypothesis. So that's <laughs> the part I want to pay attention to. And neuroscientist hypothesizes that Magnetic stimulation of the frontal lobe may reduce memory loss. Okay, that's perfect. Now we have our hypothesis. And the next step, look for the method. What I'm looking for, the sample they got, like how many people did they get, how the groupings of them, independent and independent variables. The study recruited four stroke survivors and tested their ability to recall life events that occurred years prior and new memories formed after the incident. So I'm going to stop here for a second too. And this is where we're going to do some highlighting. So I would highlight the first sentence. That's, that's our hypothesis. Then they tell me what my independent, my dependent variable is. So I have two dependent variables that they have measured. And these are life events that in the past and new memories. Perfect. This is what we measured. 
So, and based on the hypothesis, I can infer what our independent variable will be. So they gave them some sort of um, so magnetic stimulation and they measured the same dependent variable before and after this magnetic stimulation. That, that's one I think every student should really know. And it's something I still struggle with, the dependent independent variables. So dependent, what are we measuring? Perfect. Independent, yes. what are we adjusting? Perfect. Yeah. What we change is the independent. We gave them the stimulation and dependent is what we measure. We measure two types of memory, long-term memory in the past and new memory. So old memory versus new memory. So dependent data. That's the data Perfect. I want. Dependent data. Perfect. Uh, independent. Mm, I haven't figured that one out yet. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to be the intervention. What oh, intervention, independent yeah. intervention. I like it. All right, there yeah. we go. We got a little mnemonic. Love it. <laughs> and uh, let's see. Subjects one and two had damage primarily in the frontal lobe, while subjects three and four had occipital frontal lobe damage. A partial summary of the results are shown in figure one. So let's take a look at figure one. Now, my personal philosophy, and feel free, like if you, you've had multiple... Uh, teachers on your podcast and mm -hmm. every one of us had a different philosophy when it comes to analyzing figures mm -hmm. so my philosophy is i give it 30 seconds this might be a bit on the high end compared to other teachers but i'll try to weave it into a story in 30 seconds if i can do this in 30 seconds awesome now i'm ready to answer questions very quickly if not i'll move on because there's a chance i'm not going to get any questions about the figure okay so uh, that 30 seconds is kind of like the sweet spot. I'm, I'm investing some time, but not too much time so that um, I'm losing an investment. Okay. All right. So let's look at this. First thing, I read the caption. Subject post-stroke event recall test scores before and after treatment. So which dependent variable is this? Is this the old memory or the new memory? Um, subject post-stroke event recall. So this is new memories. New memories. Perfect. So I always keep trying to connect the figure into the text. We know that there's two dependent variables they were interested in, mm. old memories and new memories, but this one is only about new memories. Okay. Perfect. And then I, I look at the axes. So there's a small like legend in the uh, I have uh, or caption. Uh, pre-stimulation versus post-stimulation. So the colors and the shapes tell me my independent variable. Yep. And then my uh, the rest of my x-axis is the patients. What about my y-axis? Memory score. Memory score. All right. And did they do better after treatment? Uh, two, three did better. Um, two potentially significantly. And then one did worse. Perfect. So they didn't give me any significance in here. Well, yep. because it's just what one patient in each group. Yep. Because we only have four patients, so we don't have enough data to get p-values. Yep. But uh, I can see, yeah, I agree with you. Patient two and patient three, they, they showed the improvement. Patient one, I think it's just too close. And patient four, it doesn't see, like, it's too close. And the, the post-stimulation is lower than the pre-stimulation. Yeah. 
All right. Now, if you got this in 30 seconds, awesome. If not, stop and move on. Okay. Perfect. Let's keep, let's read the bottom paragraph. All subjects were given 30 minutes of stimulation three times per day for two weeks. So now we're getting the details of how they did the stimulation. Irrelevant to me for now. Uh, tests of memory were performed before and after stimulation treatment. We already inferred this. Now let's look at this last sentence. No change in recall of early life events or in skills learned early in life was observed. Hmm. Ah, you went straight to highlighting this. Love it. So that's my second dependent variable. That's what they wanted to measure. They yep. didn't give me a graph for it. And this is one of the tricky things specifically on the psychosis section. A lot of times they give you the results in the form of text, not in the form of a figure. So we have two pieces of a result, one in text, one in figures. Mm -hmm. So two of them got better on a new memories. None of them got better on old memories. Yep. Right now we're ready to answer questions. <laughs> All right. So again, it seems pretty straightforward. So I'm kind of concerned about what's to come. Uh, question 14. Yeah. Which conclusion is supported by the results of the study? I'm like, okay, that's directly in here. So we kind of know the results. Right. That these that's this uh, kind of last um, last paragraph in the the figure here. Answer right. choice A, all subjects showed a post-stimulation improvement in at least one memory type. Uh, well, we know that's not true because uh, nobody improved in the uh, the early life events and this one person over here did not improve. Uh, Perfect. So that one's out the window. Subject two showed a post-stimulation improvement in both memory types. But again, both memory types, we know uh, nobody improved in one of the memory types. So that can't be true. Answer C, no subject showed a post-stimulation improvement in both memory types. Oh, okay. So post-stimulation improvement in both memory types. This isn't saying that some didn't improve uh, in one of the memory types. It's just saying not in both. So I really like answer C right now. Subject four showed a post-stimulation improvement in at least one memory type. Well, we know they didn't improve here, and we know they didn't improve here. So that's not true. So we're left with C. And a good reading of the passage is, this is why I invested that 30 seconds in the figure. We noted that last sentence, and answering these questions is now easier mm -hmm. because we already have everything that we need to answer the question. Yep. And I, I like what you did, just because you read the question and you knew the answer is in both places. We're looking for an answer that was consistent with both results and not a single result. Yep. Got it. All right. Just reading and using, using some critical thinking here. All right, 15. All right. Go ahead. According to the results, subject two showed the largest improvement in which memory type? So we're not going to rush to the answer choices on this one. So let me quiz you a bit. Subject two, what memory did they improve on? Subject two was uh, new memories. New memories. So yep. we, we see improvement in new memories, but yep. we don't see things in old memories. Correct. Now, let's try to redefine new and old. What do we mean <laughs> by new memories and old memories? Yeah. 
Uh, new memories are things going forward, and old Perfect. memories are what happened backwards. Perfect. And this is in relation to the stroke. Correct. So new memories means post-stroke, and yep. old memories is pre-stroke. Correct. So now we have a term for this. Mm-hmm. And we have a term for each. And you should expect that AMC will include the terms for both. Okay. So uh, which answer choices do you think? We don't need to pick between them. Just I'm looking for the two. That one is pre, one is post-stroke. Yeah. So so we know figure one, again, is what this question is leaning to. Subjects who showed the largest improvement. Uh, and this is post-stroke, which is going forward which for me is answer choice C anterior grade, however you say that word. Um, yeah. So, so just reading through the answer choices here, a retrograde. So retro for me is backwards, right? Um, answer choice B procedural memory. Uh, I, I don't know specific, like that's things like I know how to brush my teeth. I know how to drive a car. Yes. I know how to like, yeah open the dishwasher or whatever. Like I just, I have those things down. Um, uh, answer choice D implicit memory. I'm not sure what that memory is, but again, kind of, uh, this is a very specific question asking, what do we see in figure one is really all this is. Yeah. And, uh, B and D are memory types, so Mm -hmm. I can eliminate them because we're not looking for memory types. We're looking at, the, the memories, all memories in relation to an event. Mm. So we're not looking for, oh, short-term or long-term. No, we're looking for how does it relate to an event? So my only two options are A and C. Yep. So then we're looking for before the event or new after the event, so C and retrograde memory. And that would be our correct answer. So what is uh, implicit memory? So... Procedural memory would be a type of implicit memory. So it's not explicit. It's not something you know, but it's kind of like mm. uh, implicit. Yeah. Okay. All right. Question 16. Or, so- sorry, working memory would be uh, an, an example of implicit memory. Mm. Question 16, subject two complained of difficulty, quote, getting his sentences out. The brain area likely to cause these symptoms is the A, reticular, well, and the, before that. So getting yeah. getting sentences out, uh, I know from physiology, because my mm-hmm. wife's a neurologist, we have Broca's and we have Wernicke's. Um, those are kind of the language zones. One is understanding Perfect. speech. One is uh, spitting out speech. I don't remember which is which. I'm going to go look at the answers. Uh, I have answer choice A, reticular formation, answer choice B, primary motor cortex, answer choice C, Broca's area, whoop, 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 uh, or D, parietal lobe. Uh, I'm yeah. going to go with Broca's area because Wernicke's isn't on here, so I don't have to worry about yes. which is yeah. which. Yeah, so uh, you, don't, you don't always need to make the specific choice. Once you have a general prediction, go straight to the answer choices. And in this case, we didn't have to pick between Broca's and Wernicke. But Broca is making speech, Wernicke is understanding speech. All right. All right. We're winning. We're winning. Uh, we got two more questions. Don't get cocky. Uh, let's go. Question 17. All right. Which of the following symptoms is expected in a patient with balance syndrome? All right. We expected 
one question maybe on, on this. We have a list of bunch of symptoms in paragraph one. Let's go find it. Perfect, you found it. So we have a bunch of them too. Even under the balance syndrome, we have inability to perceive the whole visual field, difficulty in fixating the eyes, inability to move the hand to a specific target by using vision. Mm -hmm. One of these three should be in the answer choices. Yep. So I cannot predict more than this. So let's go now. It's, it's a process of elimination out of this. Okay. All right. What do you, what do you see in the answer choices? Let's let's read the answer choices first for our, our listeners here. Uh, so, interest A: lack of sympathetic response. B: lack of parasympathetic response. C: difficulty perceiving color. Or D: difficulty using a fork. So, there's no mention of color, only whole visual field. So, I'm gonna eliminate uh, color. I think a lot of people may want to read into or misinterpret whole visual field from like whole retina with rods and cones going, Oh, like they're they're They can't use their cones. And so they can't see color. Uh, but I'm going to get rid of C right off the bat. Cause there's no yeah. mention of that. Um, I think a lot of people are going to be attracted to sympathetic or parasympathetic because of the fixating the eyes. Uh, and they think pupils, whereas yeah. I read fixating the eyes as in I want to look at this thing, but my eyes don't are want to move around. Um, and so I'm going to kind of ignore that. And I'm going to go straight to inability to move the hand to a specific target by using vision. Using a fork is exactly that. Uh, and so I'm going to go with answer choice D because that seems like just super straightforward um, answering the question. Perfect. Great job on this one. This is like textbook how we should approach these questions. Just find it in the passage, find the three items that should match. One of them should match. A, B, C, don't. D is the answer. Awesome. All right. Uh, cool. One Move more. One more. Moving on. Question 18. Traumatic brain injuries. Again, my, my wife is a neurologist who does traumatic brain injury work. <laughs> so maybe this is helping me a little bit. Uh, traumatic brain injuries can leave patients with reduced ability to care for themselves, reducing their self-efficacy. This can sub subsequently lead to feelings of worthlessness. This kind of reminds me a couple episodes ago. If they come to perceive themselves as a burden, especially for those patients that had taken pride in their ability to provide for others, these changes represent a decrease in A, self-esteem, B, self-awareness, C, self-identity, or D, self-concept. All right. So the one we had a couple weeks ago was the, yeah. the feelings of... Um, I can't. I can't remember the specific word in the passage. Uh, helplessness was the was the word, and so that was a, a self-efficacy answer. Yeah. Uh, and so we have the same kind of situation here, right? Some helplessness. They're they're acting as a burden. Uh, the changes represent a decrease in. So self-awareness to me doesn't seem like the appropriate answer here, right? They they still understand who they are. They just can't. They're, they're less able to help themselves. So potentially, I'm going to get rid of B. Self-identity, uh, again, like to me, so like lacking self-identity, maybe I'm thinking about this wrong, is like 
I, again, I don't know who I am. <laughs> is that that what's that weird phenomenon where it's like you see your hand, but you don't know it's your hand, and you're like, what do you, what is it doing there? <laughs> um, so I, I don't like answer choice C just for that. Self esteem seems like an easy answer of like, well, they're they're going to lack self esteem because they're in this area and and uh, they're they're a burden, and I'm gonna I'm gonna have a decrease in self esteem. I don't know if that's what's leading to the changes though. So I'm going to be kind of shy of that one. Self-concept, I have no idea what that means. Uh, So I've kind of narrowed down to A and D with that. And I'm just going to go with A because it's the easiest one just language wise, but I'm not confident in that answer at all. Yeah. So self-esteem is your sense of self-worth. Yep. And they're telling me in the past that the keyword is worthlessness. So yep. self-esteem is the most direct uh, answer to this question. They have reduced self-worth and therefore reduced self-esteem. Okay. Now, the tricky part is D is C and D are both partially true because self-esteem is part of like the way we view ourselves. Our self-esteem is part of our self-identity. But self-identity and self-concept are the same thing. Mm. So uh, we can eliminate both on that, uh, just on that. So I got the right answer, even though I wasn't confident in it. Yeah, okay. And it's interesting, right? I kind of, I forgot about this worthlessness word and I was looking at burden. Uh, And so self-esteem definitely goes with worthlessness. Yes, and this is the, whenever you have a beefy question stem, almost always... AMC is trying to hide the word in a sea of other words. Uh, so in here, we just needed to catch that word in here. Worthlessness. Got it. Got it. All right. Well, Ali, I think, is that two passages and a discrete? Three, yeah, two we pa- are on a roll. On a roll. I, I'm feeling good. Uh, my self-esteem <laughs> is going up. I'm not feeling worthless right now. Um, but again, we need to keep keep our ego in check because number one, obviously we don't know what the right answers are as we're going through the real test. Uh, and number two, uh, the double AMC likes to uh, put, put you in your place <laughs> with the questions. Yeah. So yeah. you never know what's around the next button click. Um, but again, hopefully just thought process, listening to me go through things, listening to Ali explain my thought process, what worked, what didn't work, um, the key words where I was missing them, even though I still got the right answer. Again, this is why we tell everyone, review the whole test, right answers, wrong answers, figure out why you got it right, why you got it wrong to help you move forward. So hopefully that helps. All right. So there you have it. I hope this was helpful. We've been breaking down and breaking down and breaking down this Blueprint MCAT half-length diagnostic, again, which you get for free at blueprintmcat.com. We are wrapping up here very shortly, but have no fear. We have much more content in store, many more episodes in store for you to help you on your path to getting a 529. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast. This is MedEd Media.